a copy of the Bible if you brought it, or you'll find one in front of you, those blue books on the back of the pew. Turn to Psalm chapter 23. If you're using the blue Bible, that's going to be on page 458. We are continuing through a slow, uh, somewhat slow, but hopefully encouraging study through the chapter Psalm 23, a psalm that you, whether you're familiar with the Bible or not, you may have heard many times, Psalm 23. So begin our time this morning, I'm going to read this psalm. We're going to focus most of, pretty much all of our time on verse 4, but to help us get a sense of the whole poem, the whole psalm, I'm going to read the whole thing. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Kids, I want to let you in on a little secret this morning. You are not the only ones who are afraid of the dark. And you do better than most of us by talking about your fears when you feel them. You know, as people get older, we try to ignore what we're afraid of. We know there are scary things, but we like to act like they don't exist. Many people, for example, are afraid of dying. But if you watch us going about our days, we act like it's never going to happen to us. Death is a universal experience for all of us that no one talks about. And yet secretly, most of us hope it will simply go away. Others of us maybe here this morning have tried to drown out our fears with entertainment, substances, busyness. We figure if we don't feel it or we give ourselves or we don't give ourselves enough time to think about it, then maybe our fears will take care of themselves. But if these tactics don't work, then the only other thing we know to do is to give in. To the fear. We tire of failed attempts to master our fears, and so eventually they master us. We are ruled by them, and it's hard to go minutes, let alone days, without experiencing the flood of anxious thoughts and the pit of dread in our hearts. What do you do with the fear you feel? This morning, Psalm 23, verse 4, addresses our fears by showing us a shepherd 
who is close to us. The main idea of this verse, verse 4, I think is this. Life is a scary path for sheep like us. And yet we can find safety and feel safe with Jesus as our shepherd. So I'm going to take that idea in three parts. We're going to walk through it together. My outline will be one, a scary path. Secondly, find safety in Jesus. And thirdly, feel safe with Jesus. So first, a scary path. David draws our attention to this path when he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of death. In these few words, David paints a dreadful and foreboding picture. Sheep traveling through a low-lying path, maybe between two rocky mountains. If danger comes, they're stuck with nowhere to go. Not only that, but the way ahead under this dark shadow is impossible to see. The sun is blocked out by the looming mountain. The imagery here creates a fearful environment. The mountain that casts a dark shadow over the path and over the sheep has a name, death. We aren't sure if David was, when he wrote this, facing imminent threats of death. But we do know that at various points in his life, he had to run for his life from pursuing enemies. But David could be commenting here not just on maybe a circumstance he's in, he's in but maybe on more universal realities common to our humanity. Death casts a long shadow over the entire human race. This is certainly not how God made the world to be, but this is the world since sin entered through Adam and Eve. When sin happened and man effectively broke God's perfect creation, there was a tectonic shift. A mountain emerged that blocked out the sun of God's life for us to experience. The road for us as we walk through this world is treacherous now instead of a smooth walk with God. We lost the refuge of Eden and we entered the danger of the wilderness. Now, whether David is talking about the times when we're aware of death or just living in a broken world where we all die, we must see. That each of our paths, each of our lives, inevitably go through this valley. David is not saying, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as if it were a possibility that he might not. He's saying it as if it's inevitable, even though it is happening, it will happen. This is one reason why worldly distinctions around status and money don't matter all that much. Certainly not much as much as the world would have us think. Money isn't eternal. Fame doesn't last forever. Read Ecclesiastes this week and track his wise argument. You can be rich, you can be poor you'll meet the same end. You can be popular or unknown and death will come for both. 
One thing that unhelpful self-help strategies try to do is minimize the bad by focusing only on the supposed good. Deny your weakness, affirm your strength. Diminish the effect or power of sin over you, praise the power you hold within you. Encourage you to live for a life that only fades as if it's all that matters. But green pastures and still waters are not the whole human experience. One thing to appreciate about the Bible, if you're new to it, is that the Bible honestly and accurately describes the whole human experience. It doesn't shade towards one and diminish the other. It's, it's transparent about it all. There is a realism here that you won't get anywhere else. I find much of popular philosophy tells us that we should pretend like we don't see the shadow or it just encourages us to stop trying and just die in the shadow. But the Bible is not nihilistic. It doesn't lead us to conclude nothing matters if death is real. Nor does it go the route of hedonism, telling us to live it up until we die because this is all there is. Scripture is realistic. Anyone who says life is one big party or comes down on the other side and says life does not matter has not reckoned with the whole range of joys and sorrows. It is natural that we would feel afraid of this treacherous path that goes under the shade of death. In a moment, David will say, we don't need to fear Because he knows that naturally in this path, we will fear. This is what we do. On the face, there is much to be afraid of. There is an end in front of you and me that you do not know. You don't know when it will happen. You don't know how it will happen. But it will happen and it will end your life as you know it. That is scary. There will be a day when you stop breathing and lose consciousness. And there are potentially minutes, weeks, months, or years of unknown dangers between then and now. Who knows what is ahead? And who knows how long it will be before we are in it? Fear is the natural response of a heart that has been made aware of its limits. Adam and Eve were limited. They were creatures, not the creator. And yet they weren't afraid, nor did they always view their limits as something to try to overcome, like Satan tempted them to do. But now on this side of the fall, we get afraid when we run up against our limits because in some way, shape, or form, they all carry a reminder that death is coming. Let me ask you this. If you knew you wouldn't die, how much less would you be afraid? The things you're afraid of right now, would they be so terrible if you knew you'd for sure live through them all? Cancer. Kids growing up and exiting the house. 
whether or not you'll get married, married, whether or not your marriage will get reconciled, what your life direction will be. If death weren't a real destination at the end of all of those roads, I don't think we would as much stop in our worry. But your path and my path must go into this fearful valley. We must reckon with that. And once we do, two questions rise. Is there any way to know we will be safe in the path? And is there any hope that we will get through it? Psalm 23 provides answers. Let's hear what David has as an instruction for us. He tells us two things. Is there any way we will know, any way to know we'll be safe in it? Find safety in Jesus. Is there any hope that we will get through it? You can feel safe with Jesus that you will. So our second point, having considered the scary path, we turn to find safety in Jesus. That's where David goes to the Lord, the shepherd, the subject of his meditation. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for here's my reason. You, the Lord, my shepherd are with me. Your rod and your staff are the thing that comfort me. David's precarious path seems dreadful, but he knows that he is safe because of the shepherd's presence and protection. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. He is our safety in death and in evil that lurks and looms. David says, Jesus is present. You are with me. David, notice, is not offering assurance that we will escape the path. But that God will be with us when we walk it. Jesus does not take us around death. He takes us through it. We must die before we rise. In death and evil, Jesus is present. And in death and danger, Jesus protects us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. These instruments, rod and staff are the things that the shepherd uses to help sheep stay on the path. I think that's maybe the rod. And how to bring them back. You think about the shepherd's crook when sheep wander off the path. When enemies come near and encroach, Jesus comes between them and us. And evil then cowers and flees in fear of Jesus' mighty rod. Such is the love of Jesus... That he doesn't leave weak and helpless sheep to wander this path on our own. If he did, we would never come through. We could never see a way through darkness created by the blackness of our sin. We would never avoid all the pitfalls of doubt and despair that we feel. We couldn't possibly ward off all attacks of evil. But how is it that Jesus can be such a shepherd when he was a man like us? How how can he see through darkness when we can't? How can he hold back evil when we would be consumed by it? Well, because Jesus was not only a man, but the son of God. 
When he was born, the angels announced that his name was Emmanuel, God with us. And throughout his life, he showed people who were lost that he knew, although no one else did, he knew the way back to the Father. He walked a path through a dark world full of man's corruption that causes us great fear. Through Satan's powers that presided, he passed through towns of full of fearful people, villages blinded in spiritual darkness. But when he spoke, people began to see. And as he walked near them, they began to understand that he is the light. Amazingly, Jesus' path went straight into the heart of darkness, into death itself, to a cross where he faced death and experienced for our sake the terror of God's wrath against our sin. But he did not shy away from the night. He endured it. He went into the prisons of death in order to make a way for us into life. This is what Christ has done in his death for you. Deliverance. Freedom. Rescue. All provided by him. Our shepherd isn't afraid of the dark. He made the dark. He made the world. When it all began, the spirit hovered over the darkness. But for our sake in creation, he said, let there be light. Our shepherd isn't afraid of our darkness. He sees in the dark. I love the way Psalm 139, 12 says it. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. When we look at the death that is ahead, we see and fear something we do not yet know, a dark cloud. But when Jesus looks at it, he sees a well-lit path. He sees a well-worn path, a path he took long ago. There is nothing on your way, not even at the end, that Jesus cannot see. We are at the heart of the pioneer experience here in Missouri. The pioneers set out from here to go west, to go west from Independence to Oregon. And they would often form groups and they would pool what limited resources they might have. And they would hire a guide who had usually already gone west and come back. And so kind of knew the way to take them. But even as we find through their stories, even the presence of a guide did not ensure safe passage. There were too many things that could go wrong. A guide was powerless against the forces of nature, against vandals and thieves, even against disease. I wonder if you think of Jesus that way. A kind of guide who, yes, has gone this way before, but still can't totally assure us of safe passage. The evils are too great, even for him. Our fears exist because we believe there are powers at least equal to, if not greater than, Jesus' ability to lead us through them. 
You know, having Christ with you on this way does not only make you safer, it makes you safe. You aren't just relatively less vulnerable to evil than you were, but still needing to be somewhat afraid. You are free from the curse. And Christ's love removes any reason we maintain we still need to be afraid. The fact that God is with us means that we will be kept no matter what. Listen to what God says to us in Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One, your Savior. Fear is our natural response to death and evil, but God is not scared. Death rises big in our hearts, but what we fear is not a threat to God. Evils encroach, but with a look, Jesus sends them to their doom. Even if you don't feel it, Christian, if you are hidden under the blood and covering of Jesus' death for you, you are safe. The presence and protection of God is the answer to what scares us. They are enough to lead us into peace. Now, in our experience, suffering, hardship, pain, and uncertainty, they all amplify our fears. When we go through these things, we are afraid we cannot stand up under ongoing hurt if it continues. We are afraid that we can't live without a loved one if they go. We fear we'll take the wrong path and our lives will end up in some version of ruin. But rehearsing the truth about God when trials aren't near helps prepare our hearts for when scary suffering does come. If we are trained in resting on the constant character of God, then we know how we can enjoy him even when trials come. There are many times, there are many times when we will walk through fearful things and when we will walk alongside each other in fearful things. When a person tells you they're scared, It is not an opportunity to make them feel bad for being afraid. Rather, God put you in that position for them so that you might lovingly remind them that there is a way in Christ to be rid of our fears. So when a friend tells you they're anxious, walk beside them in conversation that seeks to understand where that anxiety is coming from. And then walk with them in prayer To Jesus, so that they can see that Jesus is where they can hand off their fears. When your child parent tells you that they're afraid of the dark or some other thing that seems small, tell them that Jesus will be with them. Pray with them, asking for Jesus' protection. I find I feel least able to help when things like death and evil seem very near. 
either in a person's own life as they're getting closer to that, it seems, or in the life of those they love. It is very helpful, even if we don't know anything else to do, it is very helpful to fearful people when we offer Christ's presence to them in word, in prayer, and in our own presence with them. We help in those situations by repeating Christ's promise that he is with us. Jesus himself provides relief when we pray with those who are afraid. And he gives comfort through us as we stay with those who are currently full of fear. Our shepherd's presence and protection is our safety. And through him we can help others find him. And under his care we can also feel safe. He is not only our safety, but we can feel safe with him. Which is my third point. Feel safe with Jesus. This is, I think, what David is telling us is true about him. When he says, I will fear no evil. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. David is not only saying because God is his present, present with him and protecting him, he is safe. He's also expressing that he feels safe. I won't fear evil when, you're, when I'm in your presence. I will feel comfort when you're protecting me. The Christian life is knowledge that guides experience. It is truth that is lived. You know, I think we know that being safe and feeling safe are not the same. Kids, you illustrate that when you are afraid of the dark. Because we know that there's no danger around your bed. But when the light goes out, you just feel afraid. You are safe, but you don't feel safe. Adults, we illustrate this when we dwell in irrational fears of our own. That really have no grounding in reality. When all seems safe in our life, we tend to feel safe on the basis of our circumstances. If all is going well, we feel well. But that's not really faith. That's life according to what we see. So when suffering comes and we get afraid, well, that's when faith often gets tested. For those following Jesus, trials are often when we experience what real faith feels like. I don't, for example, experience the safety of my home on a sunny day the way I do when a storm is raging outside. Then I am aware of all that I'm protected from because I'm inside and I feel safe. Our feelings and emotions have an important place in our Christian life. David is expressing what he feels. He is not minimizing it. He's telling us how he derives these feelings from what he knows to be true. Our feelings and emotions are an avenue by which we experience life according to the truth. And that's a good thing. The trouble is, they are just as easily an avenue by which we experience life in lies. Our feelings always need a reference point that is reliable. 
We rightly order our feelings when we start with the truth about Jesus as David does. David starts with who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who is with me. He is the one who is present. Jesus is the one who offers me protection. And then his heart moves to rest on those as real and true. So what is it that drives away the fear? Well, it's the shepherd being with us and working for our good. What turns the sheep from fear to comfort? A trustworthy shepherd who is trusted by the sheep. No matter how strong or kind Jesus is, you will not experience peace if you will not believe he is as real and more powerful than the things that you fear. That is why we don't trust Jesus. Because of whatever we might say he is, in our doubts we think evil is greater than him. That it matters more than what Jesus has said he will be. That it will happen more according to what we are afraid of than what Jesus has promised. The Bible tells us he who is in you, that is Christ by his spirit, is greater than he who is in the world. So David is not saying, I thought about it a little bit. My fears are irrational. I have no reason to be afraid. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, I found courage within me. That means I can forge a path forward. I'm no longer afraid. He's not saying that. He is saying, I have a shepherd who is more powerful than what I fear. So I do not need to be afraid, even though evil is all around me. This psalm issues a direct challenge to us when we won't let go of our fears and our anxieties. If Jesus is safety, what threats remain that could take us off the path with him? What is truly dangerous now under the protection of Jesus Christ? Nothing. Ultimately, nothing. Such is the power of Christ to not only be our safety, but to eradicate fear from our hearts. Can you say, I fear no evil? Can you say that? We want this church to be a place where you can say out loud, if the answer is no, that you can say no. We want it to be a place that you can acknowledge that fears are overwhelming you, that you have lost sight of Christ, that you never knew Christ, that you don't know the way, that you're lost in darkness, that you can't see, you need help, you need help. And we want you to be able to say that out loud and for us to come around you and bring help through Jesus Christ. Have you been using denial to cope with dark realities of evil and death in you and outside of you. There is stronger ground for you to stand on than denial. And his name is Jesus Christ. In him, we can have courage. In him, we do not need to be afraid. 
David says, without any pretense or insincerity, I will fear no evil. All fear can end in the company of Christ. David goes from the greatest fear, death, down to the lesser, all other evils. The Lord is our trust, even though all be unknown, David encourages us. For those who are afraid of calamity in your life, Psalm 46, 2 says we don't need to fear even if the earth gives way or the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. For those who are afraid of harm befalling you or someone you love, Psalm 91 verse 5 says you will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day. For those who are afraid of persecution because you chose to share about Christ, remember the Lord is on your side. You need not fear. What can man do to you? Psalm 118 verse 6. Remember what Jesus told us. Have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head, Christian are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven by whoever denies me before men. I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Isaiah 35, 4. David teaches us how to practically go about addressing our fears. Does David only feel comfort when he is all the way through the valley? No, when he's in the middle of it. When threats of evil are done and gone? No, when they're most pronounced. But David seems to know the valley under the mountain is not the final destination. With the shepherd, he will walk through death becomes a much less fearful thing when we understand it is not the end but I know the path through the valley in this life can seem long and when things seem very dark we will need to address our fears how do we do that well we learn from David some very simple and effective responses to what we fear A way to turn to our own fears and use them there. Here are five simple ones to write down and use this week. If you're seeking to address your fears and learning from David. One, Jesus is greater than what I fear. Number two, evil has an end. But my life with Jesus never will. Number three. No matter what. Jesus is with me. Number four. I am provided for and protected. 
Number five is kind of more of a walk forward out of fear. It's this. I will not be afraid. I can and will find peace in Jesus. Now, if you need to go through these more than once, that makes total sense. These are not magic mantras. These are helpful things to go to Jesus with. Maybe you need to spend some time asking the Lord to help you believe and trust. And if you do, do that. Let let truth have the opportunity to work down into your heart to break up fear until the words Jesus speaks to you, I am with you, taste sweet to your soul. Until the presence of Christ feels like safety. Because that's comfort. When we are at peace because we are where Jesus is, seek him and you will find him. And when you find him, you will find him powerful enough to drive away your fears. Because Christ promises to stay with us, we do not need to be afraid that we will fall off Jesus' path for us. But perhaps that's not what you're afraid of. Maybe you're afraid of getting off your own path. Are you currently looking for safety and knowing it's all working out as you want? Are we trying effectively to create paths that don't go through any valleys or shadows? The path through the shadow is is the only way into the full sun of heaven. Death must precede resurrection. There are preliminary pains on the way to eternal gains. If you want to walk into life with Jesus, there is no other way than this one. So let me encourage you to let go of whatever way it is you're trying to protect. And trust that Jesus knows the way through your death. What could be more important than that? Because Christ has already gone through and has come back to take us by the same path... We expect death is inevitable, but fear does not have to be. Death is part of the journey. Death is not the end of it. Remember, at Calvary, everything seemed death and darkness. But inside a tomb of all places is where glory's eternal day broke. Death choked out Jesus' life, but Christ breathed again. The heavy hand of our sin pressed him into the grave, but with unassailable power, Jesus took our curse, dealt with it in justice, lifted it off himself as easily as he folded the grave clothes that covered him. If you know Jesus, you can have another experience of death other than being afraid. For those who suspect death is not that far away, And you assume you are nearer than the rest of us to exiting the valley. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There's a whole world beyond this one that you are about to inherit. A whole life, a whole life. That will make the end of this life pale and puny in comparison. What you gain will be so much better than what is lost. 
brothers and sisters ahead of us on the path. You have fearful ones behind you that have a ways yet to go. Show them when your time comes how in Christ the Christian dies in peace. Such peaceful behavior in the pitch black of darkness seems so unnatural to our human ear. But you've been given, child of God, a new nature. And you begin the spirit of God who speaks to you in your fear and calms our troubled hearts and can assure our anxious minds that we no longer need to be afraid of the dark. For those of you who have many years left in this valley, when you look ahead, don't look at the darkness. Don't speculate about all the evils. Keep your eyes on Christ, your shepherd. He has promised to give you eternal life. Believe him when he says death is the way he will get you there and follow him every step. Your faith to do that, your faith to follow your shepherd brings the Lord great glory. Imagine the image David is painting. Imagine you're in it. Imagine an audience watching from the mountain peaks as weak and powerless sheep come to the precipice of death's valley. And as their shepherd goes down, they, without turning back, follow him down. As evils and wild animals creep and howl, they do not start. They do not stumble. They watch the shepherd and they walk faithfully on. And when we one day ascend out of that valley into our final resting place with Christ forever, all creatures will rejoice and sing that it is Christ and Christ alone who made a way out of death into life. The good shepherd takes us on a path from fear to peace, from scared to comforted. Psalm 23, 4 shows us a way out. Of our fears. What will you do with the fears you feel? Don't act like death isn't as scary as it seems. Turn to the one who leads us through death, Jesus Christ, our safety. In Him, you are safe, and in Him, we can feel safe. Let's pray.